never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. The Video Nasties Podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. So 1977's Swiss horror film Bloodlust comes with a variety of different names. Mosquito, Mosquito de Shanda, as it was his original title. Uh, Bloodlust, the Black Forest Vampire. And a different title as well. Bloodlust, the Vampire Nuremberg. An indicator and a hint to the story, which is the true story, that sits behind the film. The movie itself is uh, quite a sombre tale. Um, obviously, video nasties don't tend to have a huge gag count in them, you know, admittedly. But uh, even by, this, it's, it, even by uh, video nasty standards, it is quite sombre. Uh, um, it's a story about, uh, well... In the tradition of films like Martin, which is probably its closest comparison, a film we'll get onto in the future, or Henry Portraits of a Serial Killer or Maniac, Christmas Evil, which is a film we'll also get onto in, in the future. This is a story about uh, a man and a character piece around a disturbed individual and the terrible things that he does. This couple is in a motion picture theater getting the scare of their lives. They are watching a film that demands the strongest nerves. Can you take it? have written this gruesome story. A picture that will haunt your nightmares for years to come. Thank <laughs> you. 
The human mind, your mind, is capable of horrors you never imagined possible. It is a film you owe it to yourself to see, but only if you can take it. So, our story follows a nameless man. In fact, all the characters in this film don't actually have names. But he's played by Werner Pochash. And um, this guy is an accountant. He lives a quite boring, what appears to be boring, humdrum life. Very isolated life. His childhood has been scarred by the trauma of his father. Who um, sexually abused and was violent. Um, and now he seems to collect puppets and dolls in his home, always a bit of a red, red light, as it were. And his obsessions drawn out of his trauma and his loneliness get worse to a point that he begins to mutilate female corpses in, in the mortuary and um, suck their blood using especially created straw. He is secretly in love with a girl who just dances, played by Birgit Zamula. Uh, and this girl is uh, quite a simple girl. She encapsulates innocence in the story. And, um, you know, I suppose in quite a misogynistic way, uh, our, our man um, stands from afar but is obsessed with her and, and you know, almost indicates that, you know, if this terrible trauma doesn't happen to her after she dies, that he wouldn't become the man he becomes, which in, in the end is a man who will kill. The only other really notable character is, is this girl's mother, played by Ellen Umlauf, who um, is very, and rightly so, in vain, is very wary of this guy. And the story kind of rather grimly kind of trudges through this guy's life as things get gradually worse and his behaviours get worse. It's most notable for its um, for its, its, its occasional bursts of violence and these necrophilic um, attacks on women. Now, it's not as it's not as bad it's not as bad as that. So he doesn't molest them. He mutilates the corpse and drinks the blood. So the phrase mosquito, the rapist. I suppose rapist in this sense would be the violation of the bodies rather than in a sexual sense. But still, fairly grim. And it's as we said, it is very somber kind of kind of piece. The film was uh, directed by um, Croatian-born Marijan Vajda. Now Vajda really. Um, made his name, well, spent, well, he's made lots of documentary shorts and um, was known for doing things like um, Isbra Seeker, which, is, uh, which was from 1961. I'm not expecting to have heard of this. I had to look it up myself when I was researching the guy, but it, it's a bit like, maybe, you know, these days you have these uh, live theatre shows on, on, on the screen, you know. It, it's a bit like, he did one of those, but right back in 1961 which would have made it quite a bit of a bit of a trailblazer in truth even though the film itself is a fairly standard kind of comedy and it was written by Mario Takala 
who isn't really known for much at all, in truth. He directed a kind of a sex comedy from West Germany called Das Bundfield Hauschen um, for 71. And obviously the writer of this did some extra directing for a guess what happened to Count Dracula. So, I mean, that's, that's to be honest with you, not, not, a, not a wildly broad career. Indeed, the real point of focus in the film in terms of, you know, actor, uh, characters, you know, interesting people, is the key, this key key guy, the, the main guy, Werner po- um, Pokshaf, who did have a kind of a, a more varied and interesting career. Born in Vienna in 1939, died of a... Well, from from complications from AIDS back in 1993 in Bavaria, his um, his filmography is quite broad, and we'll have things in you've probably heard of, such as Venus and Fairs, the um, the old exploitation film, uh, and um, Cat and Nine Tales as well. As he played Manuel Manuel in played Manuel in that, which is the uh, are one of the Argento films from the uh, the Animal trilogy, um, so he's definitely got links in there as well. He's also in Terror Express as well. So fans of um, fans of Arrow films might have picked that up relatively recently. I think that's just got a nice Blu-ray release. It is a, a classic film. It's got uh, Christopher Lee in and Peter Cushing, if I remember rightly, as well. Uh, and it's very atmospheric and good fun. Man a Monster on a Train. So he, he does appear in, in lots of, of interesting films. He's also in Ratman as well. So, you know, a, 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 an actor grounded in exploitation, I think it's fair to say. So the film has a grimy feel to it. It's low budget. It has a documentary style to it, which belies the director's documentary roots and naturalism. Um, it is has a an element of symbolism and in, in some of its storytelling in particularly the use of dolls as a as a, a catalyst in terms of the breakability the fragility of the doll um, but also the objectification of women uh, who are used to uh, sate and cool this man's um rather disturbing and and, and, and increasingly grimmer urges the girl herself this image of innocence is uh, definitely uh, is seen as uh, an embodiment of this this mental process by the man who spends two portion of it looking quite haunted. Um, again, she is somebody who he feels he wants to almost obtain rather than be with. Um, she is a uh, he is definitely the kind of man who will put uh, somebody he likes on a pedestal and. Um, it's certainly somebody who, who, because of his traumas earlier in life, isn't able to process uh, relationships properly. So, which leads that for some people he is offish, and for others he is obviously, um, as time goes on, increasingly violent. Indeed, the the use of blood from a traditional vampiric sense is um, is is part of that. It sates him. But obviously, you know, we can talk about things like, um, you know, the, the, the vampiric idea of, of taking someone's energy and spirit energy and the stillness of death 
um, being the the catalyst for him to, um, to 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 drink that blood. So kind of almost it's a taking the the, the the lingering spirit from somebody else, but also um, you know the calmness of of, of death and, and him being attracted to that. If not sexually, then in terms of a, a spirit, almost to to to, to consume some of that air. Uh, very different kind of emotional and spiritual energy. Um, not in a supernatural way, more in a psychological way. And I think it's fair to say, you know, listen, the top and bottom of it is, you, it's different. I'm in two minds about this kind of thing. I, I don't like just going, well, let's compare it to other films. Let's pick compare it to other films on this list that are similar. Um, the most obvious one would be Romero's Martin, which came out the same year, and is obviously, as if you've listened to my other podcast and when I would talk, about, I talk about Martin later, considerably better made than this. It's far more interesting. It has interesting themes, and what it explores, it does it in a better way. That said, this film is reasonably well made, intelligent. It has some themes in it. I mean, it's such a fucking downer of a movie that you could turn around and go, "Well, you know, bloody hell, there's a lot going on here." You know, it's it's quite it's quite grim, um, but it's deliberately you know it's deliberately hands offish in terms of its storytelling, and it's very reliant on this central performance to even get close to uh, to being where it needs to be. You know. It's kind of reliant on the 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 the, the central, and how he performs it is, you know, very big eyes, haunted, you know, very blank faced, um, trying his best to kind of you know draw you in. He's not arguably charismatic enough, but then again, his deeds are so grim. I mean, there's not a lot of times this kind of thing. You know, you look at someone like Henry, portraits as a serial killer or maniac which would also sit, both of which, within the similar kind of cinematic world, although both those films came after this. These, those films have, you know, interesting, charismatic, charismatic men at, at their centre, you know, as, as the character piece. You look at Christmas Evil from 1980, which, again, we'll get on to moving forward. That has a, you know, a far more interesting, centralised character than this. And that coldness um, does kind of come at a cost in terms of trying to drive the characters in. And, 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 and as the story goes on, you know, there's this issue with repetition in terms of how the characters are, uh, you know, the, the violence, you know. It, it's a bit like, um, you know, when we spoke about Mardi Gras Massacre, you know, how many times you need to see this, the same, you know, a body getting cut up, the same kind of same kind of tricks, you know, you need variation. And, and indeed, although, uh, which we call mosquitoes, although mosquitoes... Um, Actions do gradually get worse. There's a scene where he attacks the the, the, the couple in the car. His um, his tone initially, you know, it can kind of lead to that kind of repetition, and it's not necessarily as as, as centralised. It is, however, for me at least, quite compelling generally because it is such a such a cold cold film, and there are it plays around with with different themes. Not in a again, you know, that let us be honest here. The the themes that it plays around with, in particular when you think about broken dolls and that kind of thing, is not is not unique to this film by any stretch of the imagination. But it does nonetheless have a an interestingness to it. 
So I suppose what we really need to talk about is, well, more interesting, maybe more interesting, I don't know. But what we should talk about is the true life story that sits behind the tale. The Vampire of Nuremberg, a guy called Kuno Hoffman. So Hoffman was born in 1931 in, uh, in Germany and uh, had a bad childhood. So he was beaten by his father and that damaged his hearing and his speech. And um, he spent time in prison uh, on various theft charges and um, during that time gets obsessed with using things like cultism and necrophilia and vampirism as part of black magic rituals in an attempt to improve oneself. So police believe that at least on 35 occasions between 1971 and 72, Hoffman forced his way into graveyards and mortuary near his home in Nuremberg. So he chooses victims from death notices and newspapers Go make, makes keys for the locks of the cemetery. Goes in, goes straight to the where the fresh bodies are, basically. Which he apparently chose from newspapers in terms of death notices. Stabs it with razor blades, cut the heads off, and try and drink some of the blood that was in there. So these bodies were exhumed and gnawed upon and apparently as well as evidence that he attempted to have sex with some of the female corpses his belief was that by doing this by absorbing some of their blood and their energy it would make him stronger and bigger <laughs> in attempt to get fresher but corpses he then decides a different approach so he finds two people in a car, shoots them, drinks the blood from the wounds. And he's happy with the situation. So he killed Marcus Adler, 24, and his fiancée, a woman called Ruth Lizzie, who's 18. So he gets caught that month. So a morgue attendant surprises Hoffman in the act of kissing a cadaver. So he draws, drives his pistol, shoots but doesn't kill the guy. And the witness is able to, obviously unsurprisingly, goes to police and gives a, uh, a description of the guy and they catch him. So he confesses to the lot and then uh, as a parting shot, on his way to prison, pesters apparently the jail, his jailers, the prison officers, for one last chance to drink a virgin's blood. What a shithouse. Apparently, um, Despite the fact he'd spent time in mental institutions, the belief was, from prosecutors at least, and admittedly this is prosecutors, that uh, he didn't have a mental illness. So make of that what you will. Um, but yeah, all very ghoulish and grim and dark. And if you want to make a film about that kind of behaviours, I suppose it makes sense for a film like Bloodlust to, uh, to fit the bill. So Bloodlust was released... In UK cinemas in 1977, but it was quite heavily cut. So it was cut by 3 minutes and 30 seconds, compulsory. Um, and the um, the VHS that was released was um, on the Diram label, was uh, that, that cinema cut. And it was kind of sold as being 
exactly the kind of you know an, an exploitative kind of kind of movie. Of course, the reality of that is that the film itself is quite somber, and all the juicy bits that you probably want from a film like Bloodlust have been cut out. So I don't know how disappointed people will have been. If you want to see the film now, you have various options. If you're in America or you've got access to a US Amazon account, it's on Amazon Prime for rental. Um, it's also on a Region A Blu-ray from Mondo Macabro. Um, and there are various DVD copies still flying around the internet, which you can pick up for like, I don't know, 15, 20 quid, I think. If, you, if your uh, German's any good, it's on YouTube. So, yeah, so maybe not the... the the best film on the list, but definitely an interesting one, and definitely one worth uh, a look. Thanks very much for that. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, so, if you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey. Or you can go to the website videonastiescom and leave a comment on any of the pieces. So, um, the Video Nasties project got in touch, so it's at Video Nasty S on um, on Twitter. And said, "Funny you should do Bloodlust next." As I wound up watching it just last night. It's a well done movie, but it's a challenging movie. It's very hard to watch. I have to think on this one for a while if I liked it or not. A rare thing for a nasty. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's fair enough. It certainly you know it provides the gruesomeness, doesn't it? Um, but I think that somberness kind of takes a lot of the fun out. And I know a lot of people watch our films for for, for the fun, you know. Anyway, taking a week off next week because uh, I'm down in London for the baseball. But if you are interested in what's coming up next, we're doing the Jess Franco cannibals film, Mondo Cannibal, which is his, the other Franco cannibal film that he made, which, um, if I'm being brutally honest, is uh, sits with, you know, Devil Hunter um, and is also... You know, is is of a similar kind of. If you didn't, if you if you thought Devil Hunter was a bit half-assed, you're not going to think Mondo Cannibal is a is is a sort of difference in in tone. But you know, Jess Franco, fascinating fella, interesting guy, always something to talk about. And this film, you know, we'll we'll get onto it and we'll have some fun with it. But as I say, that's not you know that's in a fortnight's time. Um, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film
have today on, on the subject of these sorts of people, and they're a lot of concern with you know what is going on in the world today. Is this obvious? It's well, it's <coughs> not the Bible. Okay, I'm not sure. Are you? No, not I'm not. Right? I'm Jess Franco, fascinating fella, interesting guy.